The following program is brought to you by Podcast One Sportsnet. Don't forget to download our new Podcast One app. Quick break to tell you guys about NFL Game Pass, the only way that you can replay every game all season long. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. So every game that we're talking about right now, you guys can rewatch it after the fact. I'm going to be going back, and you guys can too. Go check out Lamar Jackson in week one. Go check out Dak Prescott and what that Cowboys offense actually did. Go check out Kyler Murray in his NFL debut. That's my favorite thing about NFL Game Pass. You can go back and watch at any time. And if you haven't watched a condensed game yet, you have to try it out. It's every play from the game back to back to back so you can replay an entire NFL game in the fraction of the time it normally takes. It's how I'm able to follow all the MVP candidates, all the breakout stars, and, of course, your waiver wire pickups all season long. To see all the action this season and stay on top of all the big storylines, you need NFL Game Pass. Best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Just sign up now at NFL.com slash NFL. Hey, Jordan here. I know a lot of you create your own podcasts, and a lot of you already have one like me. I obviously love what I do. It's taken a lot of hard work to get to this point of success. You shouldn't have to pay fees for platform hosting, distribution, analytics, or fees to create a podcast. You need to be able to focus on producing the best show possible. Now, Podcast One, that's a network I'm on, they have Launchpad Digital Media, or Launchpad DM for short. So it's free, includes unlimited hosting, full control of distribution. You have access to a full dashboard with analytics. Again, totally free. You own everything, by the way. You own your content, you own your subscribers, no tricky stuff there. And you get your own show page on launchpaddm.com for people to listen to and subscribe to your show. It's the only hosting platform brought to you by the leading network, Podcast One. Podcast One will promote the site, drive people to discover your podcast. And if your show grows, you could even be invited to join Podcast One's all-star roster, which includes people like Adam Carolla, Caitlin Bristow, Shaq, Lady Gang, and of course, me, Jordan Harbinger, I'm there too. You also get access to their production and sales support. So with all this completely free, don't use other hosting platforms. Why would you need to? Learn more or sign up now at launchpaddm.com. And don't forget to check out the Jordan Harbinger Show. Hey guys, it's officially football season. The preseason has begun. And our friends over at Yahoo Fantasy have introduced a new fantasy football game called Best Ball that lets you get into the action now. With Best Ball, you draft your fantasy football team and that's it. You don't need to do a thing once you've drafted your team. Each week, the top scoring players at each position on your roster will automatically count toward your weekly score. Forget about the time commitment. There's no waiver wire, no trades, no adding or dropping players, no having to make those tough start or sit decisions. Focus on the best part of fantasy football, the draft. If you're tired of doing mock drafts for your fantasy team and having other players drop out early and not finish, the free best ball leagues give you the most accurate ADP or average draft position of players before the season starts. If you can't get enough fantasy football and don't want to manage your teams all season, you can draft up to 50 best ball teams. Play for free or play for cash, but most importantly, get to drafting with Yahoo Fantasy Best Ball. Join a league today at yahoo.com slash best ball. Coming soon to the Yahoo Fantasy app. Welcome in to the PFF NFL Podcast. Just throwing my water bottle. Yeah, it made quite the noise. We didn't want it on the desk. Okay. 
Steve Fair Palazzolo enough. live here on YouTube with Sam Monson. How you doing, buddy? Doing good. How about you, Steve? I'm great. Fired up. You're so happy now you got your haircut. Yeah, I did. I think we need to start with the haircut. <laughs> Definitely. Because our millions and millions of listeners have been following this uh-huh. for a while now. Yeah. We found it. We found a girl to cut my hair. No, no, no. Don't, don't, don't rope oh. me into this. You found somebody. I was merely sitting back to see what would happen again. Yeah, but you know, every now and again, I throw questions your way for advice. Uh-huh. You know, and and look, I owe you a lot because this summer I said, look, what do we do? Do we do I go back to Massachusetts and have Steph cut my hair? Uh-huh. Do you go with the, with the known veteran, right? Or do you go with the unknown newcomer? And, you know, try to try to build for the future. All I said was that you couldn't let Katie have another shot at it because it went so badly the first time. But you also suggested that I try somebody new here in Cincinnati rather than, you know, the, the two times a year that I go back to Massachusetts relying on yeah, well, stuff. It, it didn't seem like, you know, the most efficient process in the world. It's not. So, right. you know, we took another chance. We went back to the same place, but different person. So, yeah. so enter Liz. Liz is now a, a part of, you know, in the equation right. here. And, um, you know, her write-up said she's a, she's a men's curl specialist or something to that effect. She seemed like a haircutting all-pro. Like, she trained in all of the finest establishments in New York. She's legit. Right. Yeah, she, I don't know she an worked awful at, like, lot. a curl specialist right. place. I don't know an awful lot about hairdressing, but her resume seemed pretty spectacular. So we went with her, and I, I altered my schedule to make sure that we got with her. She had, like, a 20-minute opening the entire week, and I'm like, that's the one. We're going to do it. Yeah. So... I was just I was just amused by how amazingly happy it all made you. Well, yeah, it was good. So we've got, you know, she understood what I wanted, even though it's very tough to articulate exactly yeah. what I want. Uh-huh. But she kept the even though our, length our, we wanted. Our uh, buddy data scientist, Eric Eager, says your, your instructions should simply be standard Jerry, please. <laughs> Those are not the instructions. <laughs> Maybe they should be. Maybe that would solve all your problems. That's not what I get. <laughs> Anyway, I think uh, the hair, I'm happy with the hair. You are. You're bizarrely happy with the it's hair. It's lighter. It's, it's beautiful to see. It's lighter. It's flowing. Uh-huh. Wife likes it. So we're good. The other, I mean, the other thing that was kind of fun is that you see so you came in beaming after your haircut in the middle of the day on Friday. And you're like back. Obviously, I knew you were going to get the haircut, so I noticed. But nobody else noticed. Like you'd been, got the haircut, came back, you know, all happy, waiting for the, the, the glowing compliments. No, I wasn't. Nobody noticed that you had your haircut. Doesn't matter. It's you were right. like, yeah, it's just, you know. I mean, for me, it's too, it's about the maintenance to get where it needs to be, you know, it makes it, <laughs> makes it a lot easier. Anyway, we're happy. Yeah. Good job, Liz. Appreciate it. If you need any business, this I'll help you out kinda, here. This is the kind of content you get during preseason of the NFL. Now, we'll, we would do this in regular season. This is big this news. Is true. People yeah. have been following this saga for months. Right, they have. So God bless them. Anyway, it's regular season type content. So let me lay out what we're going to do for the week, though. Okay. So we're live here on Monday morning. Today, we're just going to do preseason week one recap. We'll talk about that in a second. We also have to talk about Antonio Brown. I, I want to talk nothing about Antonio Brown. No, 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 we have to. have Why? to. Well, as a man that's strapped on a helmet once, I feel like you're uniquely qualified to give your oh opinion. Oh, my gosh. I want no part of this. I, I'll let you monologue it at the end. And I'll leave. If you, if you have something to say about Antonio Brown, I'll leave you five minutes. I'm just curious that, you know, you, you put on a helmet once. Would you, would you risk your future career for, for that helmet? I probably wouldn't do anything that Antonio Brown's doing right now. No? So, okay. no. And then... So I'm trying to lay out the week so people know what's coming here. All right. We've done three divisional previews. Yes. So we'll do two more this week. That work for you? In do an addition extra one? to this. In addition to this. Okay. So instead of two podcasts this week, we'll do three. Wow. Is this a pro- 
kind of promising it. We'll see what happens. We'll see if we do end up taking a trip to training camp this week, if that throws our schedule off. Mm. Can we just live record our two-hour trip? I mean, yeah, people do. Joe Rogan does that all the time, right? Podcast on the road, just like throws an iPhone down between him and somebody else on a plane. Should we do we that? do that. Driving? We'll do like Q&As or something like it's that. It's like a perfect podcast time to drive. It's a straight road. Just throw down the phone between us and podcast yeah. on the way. So we might go to Indy. We might go to Indy. We got a producer in our ear, and I'm not used to hearing I have no that. idea what he said either, so that doesn't Neither. help. Text it to me. <laughs> <laughs> we're very professional here on the PFF podcast, so we're going to do some more divisional previews. Okay. Let's get to preseason, the official week one. A lot of football was played. Yes. I promised myself I wasn't going to overreact to this stuff. Don't we do this every year? We're well, not already overreacting on video. You already said what so the Browns. If, yeah, yeah. If you're, a, if you're a YouTube follower of PFF, you'll see that the Browns are going to the Super Bowl after week one. Love a good the preseason. preseason week one overreaction. What was the score of their game? I Honestly, I don't, I don't even look at scores. doesn't even matter. It's only the first. One drive. First team went up. Baker looks good. Higgins, Higgins looked good. Done. Didn't matter. Super Bowl. So um, we'll go through some of the keys. I think for preseason week one, the best place to start is always the rookies and, in particular, the rookie QBs. Okay. So let's just go through what we saw from them. By the way, PFF.com has a great place here on Monday morning for you to just check out all your preseason week one takeaways. It's called preseason week one takeaways. And it's got links to all the articles from this weekend. We did a whole team of the week because we graded every player on every play. Even in the preseason, you've got stuff on the rookie QBs and plenty of other goodies. So you can check that out. PFF.com. And tell everybody what they get when they have elite because nobody else has what we have here. Well, for a start now, you're getting um, player grades. You're getting PFFs, play-by-play information, premium stats 2.0. We are the only place out there that is watching and grading every single player on every single play and putting all the stats into premium stats 2.0 for you to peruse, which is particularly interesting during preseason because, let's face it, with the best will in the world, there's a lot of players out there that nobody has any idea who the hell they are. So you can yeah. actually see how they're playing. Yeah, exactly. You click on their bio, where do they come from, and yeah, and all those things. So um, let's start with the rookie quarterbacks. On Thursday night, we saw Daniel Jones of the New York Giants. We saw Kyler Murray for a little bit. We saw Dwayne Haskins in that uh, that first run. First off, let's start with let's start with Kyler, number one overall pick. Yeah. Didn't have to do anything crazy, but just looked comfortable. To me, comfort is the word I keep coming back to with all these rookie QBs. He looked comfortable. Daniel Jones looked comfortable. So Kyler didn't do anything crazy, but showed off his athleticism, good zip, accuracy in the short pass game. Yeah, I mean, him and Daniel Jones essentially got one drive each, which kind of sucks because, you know, you're wanting to see Kyler Murray get at least a couple of drives, you know, if get a Dwayne Haskins-sized chunk of play, but no, you got one drive, right. and the drive ended because receiver stepped out of bounds, got a penalty, backed him up, and then on third down there was a sack that I think looked like the center snapped the ball early. Nobody else was waiting for it, and that play died as well. So, yeah, I think he looked good. He, he looked accurate. His arm looked every bit as good as it did in college. He looked – comfort's a good word. He looked comfortable playing the game. Um, he escaped the pocket a couple of times and looked like he can make plays on the move. I would be you know, encouraged in one drive of action, even if it didn't actually result in points. And we'll say the same thing about Daniel Jones. One drive of action, five for five. Well, that went about as well as it could possibly go, yeah. well, as one drive can go. He looked good. He made you know, a couple of nice, short, accurate passes. 
hit one relatively deep crosser, and then the touchdown pass was really nice. So that went about as well as one drive can possibly go for a quarterback. Yeah, it really did. And, yes, definitely comfort level for Daniel Jones is important. I think the reason why that's important, it's not it's not the thing that's going to determine a guy's career, but if you remember Dak Prescott in 2016, he walked in and it was like, wow, he just looks like he belongs on an NFL football field in his first action, whereas a guy like Jared Goff that year – Looked very uncomfortable yeah. the entire season. Just didn't, you know, things were sped up. You know, accuracy was a tick off. Decision making was was lacking. Whereas Dak looked like he was seeing the field and everything. I think Jones and Kyler both resemble that. Um, there's not much else to say. It's one drive apiece. Right. Those two um, guys, yeah, it's, it's tricky to spin that out for that long. Yeah. So be encouraged, I think, both fan bases. All right. There's, ha- some, there's some positivity for the Giants. Haskins was the interesting one, though, because he actually got an extended run of playing time. Right. I think he played 30-something snaps. Um, and it's, it seems weird to say it, particularly as I'm not the only person that said this. I saw Chris Sims say that as well, and that, that's never a nice place to be. But, you guys were on the same page about something. Yeah, I know. But if you take out the two interceptions, which were terrible, Haskins looked good. Yeah. So it's strange to say that because <laughs> those are two pretty significant things to be taking out of a They were bad game. interceptions. Right. Yeah. But if you ignore the two picks, he actually, I think, played quite well and was verging on playing really well. There were a couple of passes that almost came off that didn't quite get there. The two picks were bad, really bad. Hit a, he hit a, so on the positive end, hit a cover two, uh, cover two shot, you know, hit a couple uh, nice passes. Also showed, showed like some uh, play on the move, which was definitely not a strength in college. Right. Like looked like he had something to that effect. He threw the ball down the field. Pretty far, about 13 yards uh, per attempt, uh, per target, essentially. That's uh, Josh Allen territory. So he was trying to throw the ball down the field. The two interceptions were bad. I mean, the, so he threw a wheel route, pick six yeah. to Mac Wilson, who we'll talk about a little bit. Um, just completely misread the coverage. So it's one of those things we always talk about offense dictating defense. Like Mac Wilson made a nice play, yeah. but he doesn't make that play unless Dwayne Haskins makes a terrible decision and throws it right to him. Well, so the thing about that play is it looked like he was expecting the linebacker to get picked off by the slant that was coming basically at him, and that didn't happen. So that let the linebacker run completely free, and he's like busy trying to loft the ball over somebody else and right. just doesn't even see the linebacker running right at it. Now, yeah. yes – you might have expected that guy to get slowed up by the pick, but you can't not see him. You know what I mean? Well, like the, it's, you can't just dismiss the idea that he's a part of the play. Here's what happens when you, I, I've never played quarterback, but here's what happens. I, I can still explain this stuff. For a quarterback, there are certain routes you have to throw with timing. Mm-hmm. We have to blindly trust. And then there's certain things we have to confirm. You have to confirm what you're seeing post snap. Right. So you can't. So there it's, when you throw a screen pass, and you expect wide receivers to make two blocks to get guys out of the way, right. you're just throwing it. So that's and the if point. they don't make the block, sometimes it looks like it's a bad pick six opportunity, and it's not your fault at all. Yeah, that's well articulated, because that's the point I was trying to make this weekend to some guys. I was arguing about the, uh, the uh, interception by Malcolm Butler at the end of the Super Bowl, right? And somebody's like, why? That's a terribly inaccurate pass by Russell Wilson. Why would you put it out in front of him? Because like, that's where he wants it. That's where that ball should be. Right. There, the cornerback should not be there. He's not supposed to be there. The pick is supposed to take him out of the play. He's not a factor. Right. At Sometimes point, you have to throw a blind, right. catch and throw. At which point you're putting the ball in the most catchable spot for the wide receiver, which is head height right in front of him. Right. This guy's like, well, if you put it 
right here on his back shoulder, you eliminate the chance of the interception. It's like, yeah, but it's just that's not what the play is. You are blindly trusting that that cornerback is taken out by the thing that's right in front of him. He is not supposed to be a factor in this play. You cannot expect the quarterback to adjust to a less catchable pass on the off chance that doesn't happen. So he is trusting that that will get taken care of. That isn't quite what happened here with Haskins because it would never take him out that completely and he would always be somewhere relevant to that play. You can't just forget he's there. Yeah, there's a number of plays in football where that happens. And again, I always defer back to I think we add the proper context to those things. There are certain times when the quarterback's throwing and they're expecting the defensive end to be cut. And if they're not cut, maybe the defensive end's in the passing lane and they pick one off or they bat a pass. There are certain things that you just have to expect. I think this interception by Haskins, he needed some confirmation yeah. of what he was seeing. So he floated it up there. The other one we, wa- we watched quite a bit and we were trying to figure out, okay, he's throwing a seam route. His receiver bends it a little bit and then he overthrows it and, and the, save, or the uh, corner comes off his man and, and picks it off or in a zone picks it off. Greedy Williams, by the way. Greedy with the pick. So two picks by uh, by rookies. Can I say Haskins. so? The concern everybody had with Greedy Williams is really good man cover corner, less so in zones. Brown scheme looks like it will be zone heavy. Uh oh, right. That pick it was one of the ones ones like the Mac Wilson thing where oh it's thrown right to him. Anybody can make that play. But if you watch that play develop, oh no, he had a good feel for that. Right, that Greedy well is like looking to come off that. He's sort of eyes on the quarterback. He's reading the instant Haskins is throwing that ball. He's actually like sort of hedging towards leaving his man to come in and break on that right from the outset. So, yes, it was relatively thrown right to him, but he was he was all over that from the outset, whether or not that was an ill-advised pass or not. Yeah, that was really that was really well done. Um, And, you know, Greedy flashed that ability to communicate and do different things. It was just that um, consistency and zone that just wasn't necessarily there. Um, so Haskins, you know, I think it's fair to say we can, I mean, it's proper analysis, right? So he had a 33.7 grade and I think this adds more context to PFF grades. It's not always as simple as he was the worst graded quarterback. Therefore he's terrible. No, you can't take out those interceptions, but you can still evaluate the other plays and say, okay, there were some nice things there, you know, to be encouraged about if you're the Washington Redskins and you don't expect him to make those bad decisions, like two really bad decisions on only 18 dropbacks yeah. is is probably, you know, that's not going to happen. You're not going to do that all the way through. That'd be, that'd be rough. He's not going to make it in the NFL. Yeah. So that was uh, Thursday night. Who else are we looking for as far as rookies? Drew Locke still looks pretty uncomfortable. He was more comfortable yeah. uh, the other night, but um, a couple turnover-worthy plays. So the thing about Locke, when we talk about you know, knowing the system and knowing where you're going with the ball. Drew Locke has a really good arm, but he looks tentative enough that the ball doesn't come out all that great. But the ball came out really well on a red zone touchdown where he just zipped it in between two defenders, and it's like, oh, there's the arm. And I think that's what you see with young quarterbacks sometimes. When you – there is something to that confidence level, knowing the play call, getting to the top of your drop and zipping it and letting it go. Locke doesn't – he's not playing with that right now. But, you know, you'll see it every now and again. But it, it looks like Locke, as expected, coming out of Missouri in a college type of system, has a little bit of a ways to go. What other rookies do you want to talk about? Because there's some non-rookie players that I want to get to. Well, there's – do you want to just finish up QB talk first? Okay. So Jarrett Stidham was a rookie that had a nice 
outing for the New England Patriots, threw a few nice passes down the field. Uh, I'll say this about the Patriots offense. They look like exactly what they built this offseason. Yeah. Kind of a bunch of slow, big wideouts who are making contested catches. I don't know if that's a good thing long term. I know they destroyed the Detroit Lions, who looked horrendous overall. Um, Stidham had a few pockets that made that would make Big 12 defenses blush. Mm. Like four and a half seconds in the pocket with nobody near him and stuff like that. Like the Lions looked bad. Yeah. Really bad. Um, the Patriots, though, did look... They looked good. Stidham looked good. Credit him. Um, but I think the receiving core looked kind of big and slow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's not a shock given what they've been creating. Uh, what's interesting about preseason week one is so much of it is just when the starters depart and how you know how much they're going to play. Yeah. Even the Haskins thing, as you have to bear in mind what he was playing with. Like he started the game, I think, three-fifths of that offensive line with the second team. And by the start of his second drive – the other two-fifths were the second team. Yeah, right. So he's immediately into a subpar offensive line. Now, they actually held up reasonably well, and he wasn't under pressure a ton. But you've you kind of got to bear in mind that when you're looking at these guys is who are they playing with and who are they playing against because not every team is going to keep their starters in the same amount of time. You know, the first-team defense might leave after one drive and the second, you know, and suddenly – but the – the opposing team's first-team offense stays in after that point. Oh, look, and now it's everything's clicked. Right. Like, yeah, because everyone they're going up against just got worse. Yeah, there's definitely something to that. Um, QB-wise, again, this is the reason not to completely overreact. Like, Matt Barkley was our Team of the Week quarterback. Well-deserved. I mean, he was dropping dimes in there the entire week. Three big-time throws, no turn of a worthy. Uh, Ryan Tannehill graded well. He was moving the chains all right. So, I mean, it's Tyrod Taylor in his drive. With the starters, because obviously Rivers isn't. Yeah, Rivers doesn't play. Getting up to play in that first game. Kyle Loletta looked pretty good for the Giants. So I think into second year uh, QB. So Josh Rosen, of course, a huge story because you know it's his first time with the Miami Dolphins. Uh, some good, some bad. His, we'll talk. Preston Williams was a stud mm-hmm. on the outside. Three contested catches, all really legit. They had they've got a really good rapport already. Uh, Rosen did have a pick six. Uh, another pretty poor pass in there there were also just some easy things that he missed because I was going through his game play by play he just had like a simple quick game concept and it was and he just passed it up and then was under pressure it was one of those like just take the easy throw like there's still things missing there with Rosen he was under heat quite a bit with that old line you know that was the concern coming in that he's just going to be facing pressure a lot but a lot of some of it was on him Right, but it's Taking, always, you know, he's still essentially, <clears throat> like I say, you you write off year one because it was just nobody had a shot in that situation, right? So at which point you're heading into year two essentially as a rookie. At the very minimum, all he's done is tread water for a year behind an awful offensive line. Like, there's a good chance he actually got worse given what he was stuck with dealing with. So, I think so. Yeah, so now you're you're still dealing with all the problems that you expect from a rookie quarterback, and the situation still sucks. So, yeah, he's going to make some mistakes. There's going to be some stuff that's bad, the same way you would expect for any young rookie quarterback. Only now, there's like it's a worse situation as well because the offensive line is still terrible. I thought Rosen outperformed what you would expect from him this week, given the situation and what has happened over the last oh, year. He, he definitely made a, a lot of nice plays. I just want to see some of the... The simple stuff. The same thing I always say about Josh Allen. Like Josh Allen had a pretty nice one where he actually went through his progressions, checked down, and all that stuff. So that was encouraging. All right. 
let's not spend too much time on just the quarterbacks. Okay. You wanted to talk about some players. Yeah, starting with a quarterback. Okay, let's um, finish up with QBs. Who'd you want? <laughs> Tyrod Taylor? No, though we've mentioned that. I, legitimately, the Chargers got themselves a really nice backup quarterback for the first time in a while. Like, Tyrod was so bad last year that I think everyone consigned him to the scrap heap of just useless players. But, like, he was decent the years before that. So now he's gone to back up Phillip Rivers. Like, that's a pretty nice get for yeah, the Chargers. He's a good backup. Um, so, legitimately, okay, we made a joke about it on the video, but the Browns' first team looked really good. Yeah. Like, they, what, I like what they did in that they're like, okay, we're only going to play the starters for a drive, so let's send them out there and pretend it's a two-minute drill. Like, instead of just, here's a drive to start a game that's going nowhere, do whatever you like. They're like, no, let's treat this like it's important. You go out there, you've got a two-minute offense, execute something. And they drove right down the field, scored a touchdown. Um, they looked really good and not just I, – I think the more you look at that touchdown that Baker threw to Rashad Higgins, the better it looks. Like that was a really tight window. It was ridiculous. Laser yeah. fired in there. And I think when you sort of look at the sideline, the TV view, it kind because of, once it clears the stuff, it looks – kind of wide open but it really wasn't like, oh that no was that was really again i i can't believe that people lazily said that baker didn't have a good arm well, at one point stupid because he was short yeah because he's always had zip on the ball and he's always made throws like this you just didn't see a ton of tight window throws at oklahoma but all last year he had the third highest accuracy percentage on tight throws same thing the other day you said it looked like it was open but it was a tight throw you got to get it around a linebacker in between a corner safety um his ability to make big time throws and give those guys opportunities to create big plays that's a big part of what separates him throw for throw accuracy is great but also this special you know number two big time throw percentage in the nfl last year as a rookie behind russell wilson that's legit the offensive line held up okay though obviously only one drive so anything could happen there um and i as much as you know we joke because i love the guy rashad higgins looks like he could legitimately be a very useful sort of third receiver for them oh yeah if you're talking about him landry and odell beckham yeah obviously landry and odell beckham are the guys that are going to take all the attention and the ink but as a third option who you're not really paying attention to higgins could sneakily be ridiculously productive with baker mayfield throwing him the ball i could also see we always we always talk about the nfl um being archaic as far as you know, moving toward analytics, I, I think that's a little unfair. I do think a lot. I think we are starting to see teams slowly evolve. I mean, this is four or five years ago. Just being in the shotgun for eighty percent of your passes was rare, and now you see that more. So I think teams are moving that way. I wouldn't be surprised with Freddie Kitchens, Todd Munkin, and these you know this aggressive offense. I wouldn't be surprised if they completely embraced a pass-heavy offense. Yeah, and said Baker, you're going to throw the ball forty to fifty times a game. Like I wouldn't be surprised if that might be the team that moves to an extreme level of passing. And they, again, like the Chiefs deserve credit for pretty much doing that and saying we're going to become the most pass-heavy team in the NFL. Um, and Andy Reid's really been doing it for years. Yeah, as far on, as getting rid of the run game. And on defense, their front uh, front four looked really aggressive, both in the first team and the second team. They look like they can pass rush. They can get after the quarterback as well. So that's another reason to do that. If you can get out to a lead and put the opposing quarterback in unfavorable situations, suddenly now they've got a pass against your potent pass rush, and that's setting those guys up for success as well. So I kind of really, as much as we were joking that, you know, the Browns are Super Bowl bound, I really do like the way this team is being built. I think this whole offseason hype thing, like some of that is obviously just 
something that spirals in the offseason, but I think it's well-founded. Like, this team is really headed in the right direction quickly. Yeah, and, it, and the foundation is going to be that pass game, right, and in the quarterback. So that's why you can have faith in, you know, that team. Yeah. So is that the quarterback you wanted to talk about? Yes. Any other players? I got a few. I got a list of players that I think are James Washington stories. James Washington lives. He's alive. His rookie season was a figment of our imagination. It didn't really happen. This was the guy we saw at Oklahoma State making plays deep down the field, out jumping people from crappy deep balls thrown by a different quarterback this time. But same idea. Yeah, James Washington looked like the James Washington we saw in college, not like the guy that stole his uniform was playing for the Steelers last year. Yeah, so that number three receiving grade of the week among guys that had at least 10 snaps. Again, sample sizes are small, but when you pick up you know, two downfield contested catches, 84 yards, and only 14 snaps, that's good. That's encouraging. Right, and one of those was a jump ball where if he led him like five yards that way, it could have been like a length of the field touchdown. So, yeah. you know, sometimes your yardage is down to you. Sometimes your yardage is limited by the throw that comes your way. Um, so, yeah, Washington's numbers could have been even more crazy. I mean, we had a video elsewhere on the YouTube channel uh, a while ago where our our, uh, our new colleague, Solomon Wilcox, was buying into the, um, Dante, the Moncrief. Dante Moncrief hype that happens every offseason. And I was like, okay, I think there's probably two players more likely to break out this year than Dante Moncrief, James Washington, and Deontay Thompson. Johnson. Johnson, yep. rather. Um, and I think Washington at least week one of the preseason showed that there's something to that. Like he has still got the skills that he had at Oklahoma state. Maybe the adjustment to the NFL took a little longer than we were expecting, but that player didn't stop existing. Like he's still there. He'll have opportunities. I mean, we're talking about hundreds, not hundreds, but over a hundred targets. Right. I mean, that number two, go around that number two job in Pittsburgh after Juju Smith Schuster is wide open. So somebody has to step up and take it from a receiving standpoint. You know, we mentioned Preston Williams. He had the highest grade, of the week he was fantastic also drew a pass interference in the end zone we mentioned james washington um we talked about the patriots offense a little bit sure they looked a little big and slow but jacoby myers has been tearing it up all um during training camp and he looked really good um he is more of that possession receiver type of guy but he was getting open nifty route on the goal line to score a touchdown um so they might have something there in new england miles boykin doing some nice things in baltimore ravens camp that showed up in the game as well Okay, guys, quick break to tell you about Game Pass because it is officially football season and it's the only way that you can get every out-of-market preseason game live. With preseason underway, your season can start now with NFL Game Pass. You get a first look at all the rookies, all the players on the new teams. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. Personally, I'm most excited to see Kyler Murray this preseason. Can't wait to see how he fits in with the new Arizona Cardinals offense. With NFL Game Pass, I can watch Murray all preseason, see his development, and see what Cliff Kingsbury's offense is going to do. If I miss his game, I can replay it after it's aired. Whoever you want to watch this preseason, you'll need NFL Game Pass to do so if you're out of market. So I'll be watching Kyler and Cliff. I'll be watching A.B. try to fit into that Raiders offense. I'll be watching Nikhil Harry trying to earn Tom Brady's trust as a rookie wide receiver in that Patriots system. So make sure you see all the action this preseason with NFL Game Pass. Best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Sign up now at NFL.com slash Fantasy. This episode of the PFF NFL podcast is brought to you by CBS Sports HQ. 
I think we're all aware that sports TV nowadays is full of made-up drama, beating the same topics into the ground and hot takes from people who don't even believe what they're saying. But CBS Sports HQ is here to change all of that. CBS Sports HQ is a network that streams live 24-7, and they have coverage that's just focused on the game. They bring you the latest news, highlights, previews, and reactions to all the on-field action. Their fantasy sports experts will give you the info you need to make the right calls for your lineup, and their betting experts will help you cash in on your wagers. No fake debates, no politics, just sports for real sports fans. The best news of all, it's free. I don't mean free for a week or a month or if you have some special cable package. It's totally, completely free for everybody. You don't even need a login. Just open your CBS Sports app and watch anytime from anywhere on your phone or at home on your Apple TV, Roku, or Fire TV. It couldn't be easier. Download the CBS Sports app and watch CBS Sports HQ today. Also, the Vikings uh, traded a fifth-round pick for our kicker of the week. How about that? You guys shows up. One kicker of the week job in preseason, and then we they trade a fifth round pick for him. I want to spend about as much time on the kicker, uh, the Vikings kicking job as I want to spend on Antonio Brown's know. helmet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. thanks for finishing my sentences. Yeah, well, it's, it's you knew uh, where I was going. Yeah, they traded for him. That's about the extent of it. Um, one other, do you want to talk about some defensive players? Okay, defensive rookies. Who you got? Oh no, wait, I got one more before we get defensive rookies. Jordan Mailata. Okay, from the Philadelphia Eagles from rugby. From rugby. I think this is one of the bigger stories of the preseason because he's such a young football player and because the Eagles, in a league that has no tackles, could the Eagles have four? Right? So last With Jason year. Jason Peters, Lane Johnson. I think it was preseason last year where I kind of dove into his snaps like a decent amount and watched him play. Like he didn't look like a guy who took up the game like a few months ago. Yeah. He looked like he knew what he was doing, and that was last year. If he's been sort of actually. You know, paying attention, doing stuff during his season, like he he legitimately might be good. He still might be a couple years away, right, from being a contributor. Um, and I don't know how you. I think the only way you, the best way you might end up leveraging that if you're the Eagles is trading Trade, him, right? Right. But I think that's again a, just a just a wonderful strategy, right? Find valuable players. And you either play them or trade them. Yeah. You know, and then, you know, you get a guy out of nowhere and you flip him for a second round pick or a third round pick. This, or was, a, uh, this was a big week for rugby players in the NFL because you had Mylata playing well. And then you had Christian Wade on his first carry rips one off 65 yards for a touchdown. Now, it wasn't all great. And then he almost dropped the handoff before he did that. It's so tricky. it's not like it was perfect. But once you get the handoff, apparently rugby is still quite a useful you know, precursor to being able to beat defenders and score a touchdown. The story of preseason week one is rugby players. Well, he was, so unlike Mylata, right, who would like, I didn't think he was ever that great at rugby. He just had a ridiculous highlight reel because he's monstrous. Yeah. But like he was like a sub. He never, he wasn't starting games. Christian Wade was like a legitimate star at the highest level. Like he was, he's been in the England national team. He's been playing premiership rugby for years and is a big try scorer there. So he's like a hmm. legit sort of all-star rugby caliber player and apparently that translates to being able to rip past third string free safeties pretty easily he's more of a skill position player yes yeah yeah, yeah. you know yeah skill position um anyway just to wrap up the my talk so jason peters and lane johnson are the starters they drafted andre dillard in the first round yeah who might be the best pass protector in the draft from last year and then my he played right tackle um wasn't perfect had a few um snaps he got pushed back into the qb a couple times uh, lost a couple blocks in the backside of run plays, absolutely destroyed a guy 
on one play. So there was some good and some bad, but I think that's a story to look at. Again, just finding valuable players in the preseason um, is good for team building. Yeah, you would think at some point, at the very minimum, it gets rid of uh, Vitae as a roster spot. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, did you have some defensive players to discuss? Uh, well, you were going to go rookie. on defensive players. So defensive rookies that stood out. Your boy Byron Cowart yeah. made some plays. He played three-tech uh-huh. for New England. This is what I've been telling you. This is what you were saying. Showing good pad level, shed some blocks in the run game. You won a couple pass rush snaps. Could be a good find. Another you know, former five-star. Yeah. That um, was misused in college, Steve. Is that what it was? Yep. Misused in that at Auburn Maryland, Maryland front. All right. Yeah, I don't know what happened at Auburn, but the Maryland front clearly put him in a position that wasn't good. So there's a guy to keep an eye on. Brian Burns showed off a little bit. He had two sacks. It wasn't necessarily dominant stuff, but, you know, nice job cutting off a rollout, making a play, a little spin move against chip block. Do you realize how much chip blocks screw up offensive tackles? Almost always it seems to do more harm than good. I think that's one of those confirmation bias things. You just, now that you kind of notice it, you're always seeing it. But they constantly seem to screw up offensive tackles. I don't know if we're allowed to, are we allowed to say or not that one of our clients did a study on it? I don't know. You say it, then I don't care because it's your fault. Let's just say we've got, because we have this data, we have teams studying it. And you might not want to do too much chip blocking. And I, and I like our you know our guy Ben Stockwell, director of analysis. Nobody watches more football in the world than him. He came up with a point the other day. It's almost like if you if you just bluffed the fact that you were chipping, if you just had a guy look like he was taking yeah. out the outside rush, and then you hamstring the pass rusher, and you give it just gives the tackle you know a little bit more peace of mind, and he's only got to deal with maybe half the man. He's got to worry about a hard inside move or a bull rush rather than the outside rush. That would be beneficial. But what we see all the time is the running back actually chips him, pushes the defender back to the inside, and then the tackle gets whooped. Now, part of that is on the tackle. Don't overset when you know you have help. But maybe it's a little overrated. So my whole point on all this is, yeah, Brian Burns got help from a chip that led to a sack, which is fine. That's the bit that I never quite understand is that as a tackle, you have to know it's coming, right? How do you you let the guy get punted inside of you when you know that the chip is coming? Because they're not perfect, man. I also wonder if, like, if there's enough communication going on there. Like, if you know that in this situation, this is what should be happening, the running back knows because it's the only thing he's concentrating on that play. The tackle is busy, like, figuring out what he has to block for, and then, oh, crap, this is a play where the running back comes out to the left. There's my chip. I'm screwed. I, I I don't know if it's been studied when a tight end does it, or, you know, sometimes you know, New England does this again. They'll take their running backs and put them in like a tight end type position where yeah. they're just everybody knows that they're going to chip. It might be easier to communicate tackle and tight end there rather than a back coming from the backfield. Yeah, it almost feels like the tackles, the offensive linemen just aren't paying attention as to when the running back is going to be releasing that side and therefore chipping. You should have asked Mitchell last week. I can, we can still ask him. Can we get Mitchell back on the show? I don't want to get him back. He's busy, but we can, we can message him. It's not busy. It's preseason. Also, Mitchell's good. He's not going to get chipping help. Mm. That only happens to bad tackles. Ooh. We had to suck up to our guests. Well, look, if I suck up that much, you might send me some of that barbecue that he makes. Why? You already have your great barbecue in the oven. Well, mine's fine, but he's he's really good. Plus, he gets, like, I think, I'm pretty sure he gets, like, free meat somewhere. Why don't we get a sponsor? Free meat? Yeah. Don't we, we have a meat sponsor going. That's for college. 
Yeah, well, that's true. We don't have an NFL meat sponsor. There you go. Okay. Get working on that. Um, Devin Bush. Yes. First-round linebacker for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He looked really good. He was making a lot of of plays. I think a lot of the plays he was making, so I think his speed was showing up. Yep. And a lot of the plays he made was when, like, Mark Barron screwed up. (laughs) So you got, like, Mark Barron. And this is what I saw from Devin White on on film as well so a lot of times we're like look when you're a linebacker you want to make those tackles in and around the line of scrimmage but there's something to the seven yard tackle where it's not necessarily your fault that it's a seven yard gain so Mark Barron blows a a, you know his run gap and then Devin Bush is on the other side coming from the other side of the field making a play that speed has showed up so Devin White and Devin Bush both had a little bit of that in college I think that was evident in Devin Bush's uh, debut the other night yeah he I mean I every time I watched a Michigan game over the last few years, he was the guy that jumped off the tape. Now sometimes he would go missing, and that was kind of my only real concern: is that why doesn't he do that all the time? Yeah, it's just it's more flashes than it was consistent. Every single game, he's going to dominate. But the talent was always obvious. Like he is ridiculously good at pretty much every facet of the game. Um, it's just you want him to do it all the time. This is a game where he did it pretty much all the time. Yeah, so from a run game perspective, he looked comfortable in his run fits, was getting under offensive linemen pretty much, showed off his blitzing ability, got to the quarterback a little bit, had a pass breakup. He was, this was the other thing that we said, too. Going forward, he's really good, right? So there were tight end routes underneath that he was breaking on. He was taking them away, or he broke on it, could have had a pick six opportunity. He did give up a seam route over his head. It was a really nice throw. He was in decent coverage. Um, but I think moving backwards was a little bit more of an issue from a coverage standpoint for Devin Bush. But stat sheet-wise, five stops, pass breakup, uh, got in there with some pressure. Um, overall, it was really, really good. Yeah, and that's him. it's not an unusual thing for guys to struggle early with moving backwards versus moving forwards in coverage. I mean, that was Luke Keekley's issue as a rookie is anything in front of him. He was the all-pro that we come to expect, anything where he had to – move back and drop into coverage without being able to see it happen was more of a struggle yeah that was um he could be exploited a little bit as a rookie those deep crossers behind him and everything um we'll see how that goes though but i think he'll i think he'll make the highlight real plays i think he'll make a lot of plays in and around the line of scrimmage anything else from a defensive standpoint that stood out mac wilson had the highest grade yeah. With the two interceptions. It's tough to bank on that every single week. Right. But he's been doing it in camp, making plays, and I think he showed it off pretty well there. Yeah, people kind of – I think people were too hard on him in terms of, ah, uh, they were throwing right to him, you know, their plays everybody should make. I mean, the first one we talked about already in terms of avoiding the um, the pig from the receiver and getting under it. Now, that was a terrible decision, terrible throw, and it was kind of lofted straight to him. But – it's not like he was standing there all the way and the ball was just thrown. Like He had to right. get to that spot, read it, react, avoid a pick, and then do some decent job to fight his way into the end zone. Like There was a lot of good to that play. And then the second one I thought was a really good break. Like That, that was only thrown right to him because he made a hell of an adjustment seeing the route come and dived in front of it. Like, I mean, if you're complaining about how easy that was for a linebacker, you've got some pretty high standards of what you expect from linebacker play. Well, it's definitely good to make those plays. But, um, yeah, so that's good for him. Uh, Marvell Tell, rookie from the Colts, he was one of the more interesting draft prospects because he was one of those guys that played safety in college. And our uh, lead draft analyst, now Mike Renner, said he might be a guy that needs to move to corner. The Colts have moved him to corner. He has an 88.8 grade in their debut. Yeah. In his debut. on twenty Again, on only 23 snaps. 
But I keep coming back to if you can steal valuable players in middle rounds and in in, in, in places that you know you're not expecting to find them. That's that's really big in, uh, from a team building standpoint. Yeah, I think he was right as well. When we looked at his tape, um, you immediately saw the kind of fluid movement skills you expect to see from a corner. I think that was a really smart adjustment from them to, to move into that position. Um, I don't. I didn't check the data. Can you pull up the Jets stats real quick? Because this was one I was I was reviewing all the QB grades on Friday morning, and I'm watching the Jets. You know, Sam Darnold, Luke Fox in there, all these guys, and they're running, you know, the old school sprint right option, West right. Coast offense play. What are looking for? Uh, rece- uh, how many uh, catches by their running backs? How many catches? And I'm only asking you because my, uh, my laptop's not working Your la- on I mean, the internet. You honestly need to. My laptop's okay. It just it will not connect to the internet here at the office for some reason. Right. Anybody that could fix my laptop? No. Where's IT? Yeah. Where's, my, where's the IT team? Your laptop is a hunk of junk. How many receptions are there? Running, running backs, backs. so three, six, 12. 12 catches by the Jets running backs. As I'm watching the game, I was like, man, Le'Veon Bell might get 150 targets. Yeah, I know it's week one, but that's you're running your base offense. You're running your first installs, you know, your staple plays. And there's a lot of plays where the running backs just a featured component there. Yeah, Le'Veon Bell is going to get 150 catches, as is Adam Humphreys. Yeah, he got a few targets for the uh, That one, I think, is justified, right? That guy turned down playing for the New England Patriots to honor his sort of handshake agreement with the Titans. You should be throwing the ball 200 times in his direction this season. (laughs) Because nobody else in the world would do that. Gotta feed him. It's like, okay, I've agreed to join the Titans. Hang on, the Patriots are calling? Bye-bye. See ya, I'm over there. They have a long history of turning people that play like me into really good players. Bye. I'm out of there. So, yeah, he actually honored his, his agreement with them. They should be doing everything in their power to throw him the ball. So there's your fantasy advice. Yeah, Le'Veon Bell and Adam Humphreys. If you're in a PPR league, that's going to be money for you. Uh, Sam Darnold was interesting because his first pass should have been a pick six. Always and then he looked good after that. Yeah. But it was, a dropped, it was a dropped interception. Didn't show up in the stats. But his first one, man, just completely misread the curl flat defender. That's the guy running out under the, underneath route. To the outside, outside of the numbers, and he threw it right to him, pretty much right to him, and he dropped it. An ideal, yeah, not great. Anything else? Uh, that Schaub actually looked decent, by the way. Oh God, I'm not. You no. wrote him off for dead, and he ended up with a pretty good grade, and he was making plays, a couple yeah. big time throws against who? What do you mean against who? Against who? Don't just don't write him off. Mm-hmm. Guy should still be collecting that backup QB playcheck uh, no. paycheck. No, he should not. No, that's simply untrue. Teddy Bridgewater played pretty well. Yeah, he did. So he did. He played reasonably well, but I was kind of looking. You know, the the knock on Teddy Bridgewater all the way through his career has been he's a bit of a check down guy. He doesn't oh. push the ball down the field. Skinny knees. Well, no, that was anyway. Doesn't he's not aggressive, right? Won't make the big time throws when you want him to. And I think I've always been unsure how much of that was him inherently. And how much of it was that offense that was kind of trapped in for a while in Minnesota where it kind of forced you into doing that because they didn't really have great receivers. They had a bunch of two-receiver patterns, a bad offensive line. The whole thing was basically designed to force quick checkdowns. Um, and then, you know, with the Saints, there's always limited opportunities, so you don't know kind of really what he's doing there. But you're thinking if there's ever a chance where you would just uncork 
the Ryan Fitzpatrick YOLO juice a little bit, it would be preseason week YOLO one. juice. Right? Where you're just like, ah, what's the worst that could happen? You know? Why don't I just, why don't I just aim at the deep post for, for, on this play? Like, why not? What's going to happen? Oh, no. It's picked off. Okay. Like, you know, just be a little bit more aggressive in preseason. And yet Teddy's still just, you know, taking the easy 10-yard. Like, it's, it just looked like Teddy again. You're like, okay, it's, it's nice. It's efficient. It's probably going to be successful. But it's just a little bit, yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. So even in our in our grading distribution, he always had some Alex Smith yeah. comparisons. And admittedly, we're you know, people say, "Look, PFF, you need context." And what you just did there was to try to provide a ton of context. So instead of completely writing or throwing Teddy Bridgewater into that conservative bucket after his two years as a starter, you added some context, which said, "Okay, the offense did this, and this was his supporting cast, and this was the situation." But sometimes for a player, that's just who they are. Right. Um, and I think even if he grades well, if you know he's on the conservative end of the spectrum, and then Jameis Winston, say, grades similarly, and he's on the aggressive end of the spectrum, you have to understand the differences there. I think it's a big part of what we do. We can also define their style. Teddy, uh, style-wise, all the grades have pointed toward him being on the more conservative end, which is okay, but I think he just needs a little bit more help. Yeah. To, to be successful you need to have that good defense you need to have you know maybe playmakers that can go above and beyond with some of the shorter passes i mean i think we're just reaching the point now where those sort of questions are actually being answered it's like okay there was definite questions around his minnesota career in terms of how much was him and how much was the circumstance now maybe the circumstance didn't help but i think we're, the more and more evidence comes out it's starting to look like it was just him inherently like, that's how he played, regardless of the offense he was put in. I mean, he wasn't a North Turner offense. They wanted to throw the ball down the field. They didn't have the right, horses the, to do it. Yeah. Um, so it's starting to look like that's just Teddy, which isn't necessarily a bad player. It just means that he's, he's, he's always going to lean to the Alex Smith end of the spectrum in terms of checkdowns. So preseason week one, did you have anything else that stood out? Uh, not really. I think that – I mean, so – I, like I say, the interesting thing is always – it's not the final result, right? The preseason games, the end score doesn't matter at all because no. it's all down to when the starters left. But what's interesting to me, almost to the entirety of preseason, is kind of what the score is while the first teams are in. You know, so how, how the first teams did and what happened at that point. I don't so, care about the score at all. I don't even care. Well, I think it's – the score is a reflection generally on the performance of the first team, which is the point I'm making. Yeah. It, so – for example, when the Jags don't put up any points, that's not good. Yeah, yeah. You know? Um, or the Bengals, for example, got pretty much shellacked. I think sometimes when you see domination, like New England dominating Detroit, it might speak, you know, speaks to your depth a little bit. You yeah. Know, do you have some tough cuts to make? Will you have better depth and all that stuff? But, um, but I think those are the interesting ones is how the first teams perform. You know, we've got one end of the spectrum, which is the Browns' first team look phenomenal. Marches up, scores a touchdown, takes a seat in the bench, starts booking their tickets for the Super Bowl. Right. The other end of the spectrum is you got the Jags, who may have, you know, been there all day and not scored any points. Yeah, the offense looked rough. Yeah, wasn't great. All right, man. Oh, what else we got coming out this week? So we got a ton of stuff coming this week. We are hitting. I mean, we're warming up for the season. Um, so PFF Green Line is back and better than ever. Um, last year, last year was our first um, first run at this green line thing, right? Basically, green line for anyone that doesn't know 
is it's our gambling product. So we're using all of this PFF data in the database, and we're leveraging it, we're leveraging it against the Vegas spread and, and basically trying to predict what's going to happen more accurately than the bookies do to make you win some money. Makes sense. Now, last year, we did a lot of spoon-feeding, right? And it was sort of, here's the PFF predicted score. Here's the games we think you should pick based off how much we differ from the Vegas line and all this kind of stuff, right? We're changing it a little bit this year because... Um, not because it wasn't successful, because the the results were excellent generally, right? We post all the, the accuracy scores up on the site, and you can kind of see how it's tracking. Um, but because it sort of misled people in terms of, you know, how much to bet and, and how, how much to shape your bet. So what we're doing now is basically presenting all the information, giving you how likely it is to cover. So essentially quantifying how strong that bet should gotcha. be. And then letting you make your own decisions, right? We're not going to push you to bet on any particular game. We're just going to present all the information, give you the likelihood that it hits and it doesn't, let you mar- uh, master your own bankroll. Right? Nice. Yeah, our guys have done really well in those nationwide contests. And yeah. So like Top 1% type stuff. So it looks fantastic. There's more information than there's ever been. There's a little bit more available for free than there's ever been. And we're going to be busting it out for college. So college green line college also green. coming out. So that's uh, triple the games. Yeah. That you can wager on. And I think the margins are better in college where the information is a little less good. You know what I mean? Like NFL, the data out there is pretty impressive. Bookies know what they're doing. There's a lot of info to work from. So the the edge we have with our database is smaller than it is for college where we're grading every game and nobody else has any idea what's going on. Yeah, right. So, you know, there's a lot to to get from there. As we say, we got the same information on Appalachian State that we have on uh, Alabama. Yeah. That's how we do it. What else we got? Um, so the draft guide's coming out, too. We have a preseason draft guide. This is Mike Renner's raison d'etre. That's French, Steve. The what now? Raison d'etre. I, I can't pronounce it properly because I don't speak French very well. It means reason for being. Oh, okay. Perfect. You've never heard that phrase before? I actually haven't. Or you've just never heard it butchered the way I butchered maybe it's, it. Maybe, maybe it sounds completely <laughs> different when most people say it. Yeah. So hold on. So Green Line's a part of Elite. Yes. And then... Draft guide, preseason draft guide, your first view at the 2020 draft, part of Edge? I think so. Either way, it's out this week. Yeah. Preseason draft guide. But yeah, but this is what Renner's been doing for the last few months. We think. Yeah. Well, probably. Is it done? I, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been in. It, there's people fixing it now, like typos and stuff. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Not, not that there was any typos. but um, So that's great. We've got a little preseason draft guide. We didn't do one last year. We did one the previous season, but it's a great you know, baseline, looking into the season, gives you something, you know, I would have it handy on a Saturday watching uh, college football. Who do I need to keep an eye on, you know? And he's got his mock draft up today, I think. 2020 mock draft. This is, again, this is what Mike's been doing for the last few months. Worst well, mock has been working. He's been looking at 2020 college players. I helps, too. I looked at the QBs. Oh, really? Uh, it's bigger and better than ever, too. It's a whole different format on the draft guide from what we've done previously. It looks, does. It looks, looks very slick, good. and it's uh, quick-hitting, informative, and you'll, you'll know a lot about these players. So a lot happening pff.com this week don't forget we're gonna have two more podcasts so it's essentially a bonus podcast for our loyal millions of listeners we'll preview two other divisions afc and nfc central this week right sure yeah um also don't forget to hit subscribe on the youtube channel if you're watching this on youtube not listening so we're giving away subscribe fire your name in there twitter handle some way of us getting in contact with you and you can win edge and elite edge give away edge we're giving away one of each. One of each? One of each. Why are you giving away Elite? I have the power, Steve, and that's the way it is. Wow. All right. So, Green Line, we're giving away Edge. 
or elite or both. Mm-hmm. Draft guy. Big week. Big week. Two more podcasts, so stick with us. Appreciate everybody tuning in. Happy football season. We'll talk to you guys a couple more times later this week. Quick break to tell you guys about NFL Game Pass, the only way that you can replay every game all season long. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle all in one place. So every game that we're talking about right now, you guys can rewatch it after the fact. I'm going to be going back, and you guys can too. Go check out Lamar Jackson in week one. Go check out Dak Prescott and what that Cowboys offense actually did. Go check out Kyler Murray and his NFL debut. That's my favorite thing about NFL Game Pass. You can go back and watch at any time. And if you haven't watched a condensed game yet, you have to try it out. It's every play from the game back to back to back so you can replay an entire NFL game in the fraction of the time it normally takes. It's how I'm able to follow all the MVP candidates, all the breakout stars, and, of course, your waiver wire pickups all season long. To see all the action this season and stay on top of all the big storylines, you need NFL Game Pass. Best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Just sign up now at NFL.com slash NFL. Napa know-how. At Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers, get a $25 prepaid Visa card when you get any Napa automotive battery. It's the best deal for some of the best batteries from some of the best car people around. But we might be a little partial. Anywho, pick up any Napa automotive battery and save 25 bucks. Do it yourself or have it done for you. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers. While supplies last, offer ends 831 20